Time to check the latest COVID headlines with our friend, vaccine researcher, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Gorfinkel, very good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. Okay, we're going to start with just this devastating news out of Quebec because Canada has sadly recorded its first death related to the AstraZeneca vaccine. It's a 54-year-old woman in uh, Quebec. Uh, what can you tell us about the uh, circumstances and what this means for the uh, vaccine AstraZeneca moving forward, do you think? The problem with VIPIT, or that abnormal blood clot that we see with AstraZeneca, is that it is so rare. It's one in 100,000. So and she hit a very unfortunate jackpot, and my heart goes out to the family on that tremendous loss. We don't have a way of predicting who is going to die from it, and that's a serious problem. My own patients are always asking me if I have a history of blood clots. Does that predict getting a blood clot with AstraZeneca? And the answer is no. Neither does a family history predict it. Neither does being on birth control pill predict it. We do not know what predicts getting VIPIT. Normally, our platelets clot and form scabs, which stop bleeding. But what happens in VIPIT is that platelets drop in number and then clot abnormally, blocking important blood vessels. And when that happens in the brain, it causes headache. And I'm talking about a severe headache lethargy, it can present with seizures, sometimes a loss of speech or blurry vision. But the thing is, it doesn't start right away. It starts often only four days to 20 days after getting the vaccine. But it is important to keep on the lookout, although its numbers are around one in 100,000. In other words, you're more likely to get struck by lightning and die than have this from the AstraZeneca vaccine. We know its benefits by far outweigh its risks. All right, I want to stay with AstraZeneca for a second here because the White House yesterday, Dr. Gorfinkel, was asked about where its excess supply of vaccine might be going next, and they would not guarantee that it would be coming here to a Canada. Just how badly does Canada need more vaccine to supply, and particularly that that's sitting uh, in the U.S. and warehouses there right now to help get us out of this third wave? The number that the U.S. has stockpiled of the AstraZeneca vaccine is actually quite incredible. It has the potential to turn the tide here in Canada. Depending on which source you read, it's 30 million doses, which could make a huge difference. And now the U.S. has said once the FDA has approved the vaccines, they will be releasing some 60 million vaccine doses to the world supply. Now, how much is going to come to Canada? We really don't know. And when that will come to Canada, we really do not know. We don't have any idea. But the fact that it could make a tremendous difference is very exciting. We know that it gives actually very good immunity after a single dose. The immunity is probably in the 80% range, some two weeks after getting just one dose. So getting it into as many arms as possible matters a lot. Right now, Canada is lagging behind. Only about 30% of Canadians have received a single dose of the vaccine. And that's in contrast to, say, Israel, where that number is about double. And not only that, they've most of them have received two doses, not one. So it's quite a big difference. Can we use the doses? We needed them yesterday. And that's a problem because here in Ontario, we have seen a very significant slowdown in the last few weeks from vaccine rollout 
well, not last few weeks, last few days of the vaccine rollout. It has been going down in numbers simply because we don't have the supply. All right. I want to move from uh, vaccines to uh, testing, because that's another important part of the equation when it comes to uh, getting out of the third wave and beyond, uh, really. And there's new data out, Dr. Gorfinkel, that shows that many provinces have been very slow to use and implement rapid testing. Why has there been such a delay and just how much of a key is this going to be for us to return to some kind of normal? So... Health Canada has actually done an amazing job procuring these. You know, we have some 42 million that have been distributed already to the provinces and territories. But unfortunately, Health Canada has no way of knowing how many have been used. And this is hats off to investigative journalism that has revealed. It's only about 4% of that number that's actually been used so far. So it's, a, it's, it's very, very low. But over 50% of those tests were kind of like a pregnancy test. Imagine taking a swab from a patient's nose and literally dropping it onto a card that looks kind of like a pregnancy test. And without any special training, without any special equipment, having an answer within 15 minutes. It sounds almost too good to be true. But the problem with the testing has been that it has a high number of false positives. So it took provinces and territories a while to understand how best to use these tests. And now we know we have to use them in high congregate settings, especially for essential workers, say in retirement homes and long-term care homes. This is where they have their best benefit. And they can be used to screen people who have no symptoms and then later, if they do test positive, they need to go in isolation and still get the old test, that PCR test, which has been the gold standard across Canada. But they have to stay in isolation until we know the test is negative. But the fact is, now I think we're going to be seeing a big rollout of these pregnancy home, t these pregnancy, well, I call them pregnancy tests, these rapid <laughs> tests across the Canada. Yeah, but if you had to choose, isn't it better to have false positives rather than false negatives? At least with a false positive, if a worker uh, tests positive, they go home, get that gold standard uh, test and find out, no, they're actually uh, negative. No harm done. It's much worse, uh, isn't it, if you're getting a bunch of false negatives and people are going into a workplace? Yeah, the problem with this testing is more in the false positives, people being picked up and told they have the disease when in fact they do not have the disease. But the fact is, I mean, we, we still need to have it because the problem with COVID-19 is that people have either no symptoms or are what's called pre-symptomatic. So in other words, they're, they're shedding tons of virus before they know they're sick. And usually that's four days. So consider 40% of adults with COVID-19 have no symptoms ever. And then you look at kids, 50% of kids have no symptoms ever. So that's a big problem. That's been a huge challenge. And that's where rapid testing has its best, best utilization. So if somebody has symptoms, well, they're supposed to get tested and supposed to stay home already. So it's ideal use is in individuals who have no symptoms and who are going to work in high congregate settings, essential workers. And what happens is, so what? So what if we're wrong? You know, you find maybe one out of 10 or 15 people who have it, you send them home. It's a lot better than that whole business getting shut down, which is what is going to have to happen if we are to get, um, get in control of this third wave. You bet. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher with us each and every Wednesday. 
Dr. Gorfinkel, appreciate it as always. Enjoy the rest of your day. Many thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure.